I'm wondering if you've heard this dramatic little parable before. You're at Sunday Mass, and just after receiving Holy Communion, Father returns to the altar when, all of a sudden, a small group of armed gunmen rush in. One of them fires a shot into the air. The screaming begins as chaos descends. What do you do? The rest of the parable is coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, the show dedicated to providing some spiritual direction for you and your family as you seek to grow closer to Jesus Christ. I'm Patrick Conley, grateful that you've joined us. All right, back to the parable, which I, by the way, heard this parable a number of years ago, but it's stuck with me ever since. So Holy Mass has been interrupted by a group of armed gunmen, one of whom fires into the air, causing people to scream and shield the most vulnerable and, above all, scramble for the exits. Though the instinctive drive for self-preservation and protecting your loved ones is overpowering, you remain in your pew, eyes locked on the gunman. Eventually, almost everyone else has fled, save for you, the priest, and a very small group of others who just stare at the intruders, praying fervently. Seeing those remaining, then, the leader of the insurgents motions to his men, and they all lay down their arms. Coming forward, the leader says in a clearly audible voice, Now that I know I can trust your faith, tell us about this Jesus. Okay, a bit dramatic, I know. And while I do not fault in the slightest those who would flee such a life-threatening scene, you know, the point has stuck with me, and perhaps it will with you, that a love of Jesus that is ready to die for him and for others is an incomparable witness. And throughout our history, the Catholic Church has seen generation after generation of men and women who have laid down their lives for Christ. Today's focus on the show is martyrdom. What do the martyrs have to teach us about the Christian faith, and in what ways should we seek to emulate them? Guiding our discussion is our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southard. Father Ethan is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and the pastor of St. John Eudes Church in Chatsworth, California. Welcome, welcome back to the program, Father. Thanks for being with us today. Thank, uh, thank you, Patrick, and uh, it's great to be with all of you, and it's great to be with you and everyone listening today uh, on the program. Well, yeah, and one of the reasons I think why we were talking about doing martyrdom on a day like today is um, we're kind of just in the in the deep end of the pool here when it comes to honoring some of the martyrs that have gone uh, before us. So yesterday, of course, the Feast of St. Justin Martyr. Today, Saints Marcellinus and Peter, both martyrs. Tomorrow, it's St. Charles Lawanga and uh, companions. And uh, yeah, even looking ahead to Monday, it's St. Boniface. So a lot of martyrs around this time of the year that we're celebrating. Father, let me just start off by asking you, do you have any favorite martyrs? Um, a, a couple, uh, I do. And yes, it, you know, it's St. Marcellinus and Peter today, you know, the ancient, some of the ancient martyrs, and even with uh, Justin yesterday. Um, one of my favorites is uh, a martyr who is a little bit more recent, uh, Terribio Romo. Uh, and he was uh, a martyr in the Mexican persecutions that just happened uh, last century. Um, really just amazing story, um, really inspirational. And I think it's, 
his story is just really relevant even for today. Mm. Wonderful. And, and, uh, so there's, there's so many martyrs that, that have gone before. And again, just, uh, it's such been such a powerful witness to the faith. I mean, going all the way back, of course, to St. Stephen and, uh, the apostles mm-hmm. themselves, save for, save for St. John. Um, well, let's, let's, uh, talk about what a martyr actually is. What is technically speaking a martyr, Father? Yeah, uh, well, a martyr, the, the word martyr, uh, comes originally from the ancient Greek, uh, and it's a legal term for witness. Uh, so, for instance, it would be someone who gives testimony or evidence in a court of law. So if we, if we kind of boil it down into, uh, you know, kind of that legalistic term, uh, or where it's really coming from, kind of the spirit of what the word martyr means, it's someone who is giving witness or someone who could give testimony or evidence in a court of law. So in other words, when we're speaking of martyrdom, um, you know, it would kind of be like, okay, is there evidence that you're a, cre- a credible witness for Christ? Mm. You know, would you, and, and I think that parable that you were sharing in the beginning of the show, you know, someone coming in saying, okay, you gave witness. Okay, now let me, you know, tell me about this Christ. Right, so it's someone who is giving witness, and in a in a really dramatic and powerful way, it would be someone who is is giving witness, uh, someone who is evidencing uh, the life of Christ even to the point of death. Um, but I think it's it's important also that um, that we're not just looking at you know just kind of martyrdom in in like one moment of time, but if you're going into court. You know, it's saying, okay, well, show me the evidence, you know, give testimony. How have you been living your life? So it's just not a a momentary kind of thing. Martyrdom is an ongoing witness. And so St. Paul, you know, the one who you you mentioned, the martyr Stephen, you know, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. (laughs) He was the murderer. And, um, and when, when uh, Stephen was martyred, you know, Saul was right there, but later on, Paul had that deep conversion in his life. And so then he shares in uh, the Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, he, he speaks of how he bears uh, and how we're called to bear in our flesh continually the dying of Christ. So martyrdom is not just a moment. It's not a momentary passing thing. It's an ongoing witness of Christ's life in our life. Yeah, and that's a it's a foundational point that I think we need to build on that on here in the show today as we're speaking with our spiritual director Father Ethan Southern, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles about martyrdom and specifically as Father was just saying about witness. So, how are you bearing witness to Christ in your life? Have there been how, would you be a credible witness for Christ? Are there ways in which the uh, whole thought of of actual of red martyrdom or blood martyrdom um, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, maybe maybe you've had some thoughts. Maybe you've had some prayers about that. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888 Again, 888 Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, Ethan, you were just saying that witness, and I, it, it strikes me that um, I know that the, the word that's actually, that Jesus actually used according to uh, St. Luke in in Acts chapter 1, when he's talking to the apostles right before the 
his ascension, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my, it's literally martyrs in, in that case. You will mm. be my witnesses in, in that case. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously those apostles, again, save for St. John, um, we know that they went on to, to, to this blood martyrdom, to actually giving up of their lives. How does the witness we bear today help ready us for, should the day ever or the situation ever arise, to be ready to lay down our lives for Christ? Yeah, that's a great question. And just going back to that idea of witness, um, and kind of like what you're saying, you know, when Jesus is ascending and he's saying, you're going to be my, my witness. Um, so we are, we are the evidence of Christ. We become the evidence of Christ, it, you know, man, being manifest by our love, by our works, by the, the way that we live our lives. It's interesting, and I think this kind of ties back to your, your opening story, too. There's, there's an anecdote, or there's a story that Gandhi, you know, the great spiritual leader of India from the 20th century, you know, people were speaking to him um, about religion and about faith, and he said, Gandhi said, if I ever met a Christian, he says, I've heard all about Christianity. I've read the Bible. He says, I, I, I love the stories. I love the idea of Christ. He says, if I ever met a Christian, I'd become one. Mm. So mm. <laughs> I think that's a pretty powerful statement. It's convicting, you know, when, right? when It's convicting. You know, are we living our lives with with such love and and uh, tenderness and care with the spirit of Christ himself, that we would actually, that people would be drawn to want to, to live that life and to want right. to be that. Right. Um, and so with your question, you know, are we living our lives to the point where, you know, we would uh, offer our lives? Would we... That's what I love about uh, Santo Terribio Romo. Mm. Um, you know, the, the great, a Mexican saint, and he was a martyr during the persecutions in the 1920s and 30s. So he, you know, he didn't want to be a martyr. <laughs> he didn't wake yeah. up one day and say, okay, I'm going to be a martyr today. No, it was the, the what was happening in the culture, what was happening in the country, the way that the persecutions were coming, you know, he was forced into hiding you know, this is a time we, here in Los Angeles, we even have our, our Carmelite sisters in Alhambra. Um, they, they originally were from Mexico, and they were driven out of Mexico. All the, the government took over the country, and, you know, f they tried to eliminate Christianity. And so the, the Carmelite sisters found a refuge here in Los Angeles. And, you know, some other religious and priests went into hiding. And Terribio Romo was one of those, uh, along with his sister, uh, Kika. And wow. so they would go out into the fields at night, and they would, you know, they would catechize, they would help prepare the, the children for their first communion. They would go into a barn in the middle of the night, and they would cover, you know, everything so people couldn't see the candlelight. And they would have baptisms, they would celebrate Mass. And so then he would go back to his home, um, you know, at three or four in the morning, and he would write down everyone who was baptized. He would keep the sacramental logs. And so finally, you know, on the day of his martyrdom, 
uh, he was exhausted. And he finally, you know, after a night of ministering in the fields and in uh, secrecy, you know, he finally collapsed and went to bed. And his sister was there and she was kind of helping take care of him and look after him. And so then the government soldiers came in and they, they looked around and they had their big guns and they burst into his room and they come in with the guns blazing and, and he comes out of bed and they point the gun at him and they say, you know, are you, you, are you the priest? And, and he was, he was afraid. And he says, yes, I'm, I'm the priest, but I don't want to die. And so they point the gun at him and his sister, Kika, she runs in and she says, take courage, brother, take courage. And so they shoot him uh, and kill him. The, the bullet went right through his, his uh, face and she catch she runs up and she catches him. And as he's falling into her arms, she yells out, que viva Cristo Rey kind of the battle cry, long live Christ the King, right? Because before he could say it, they had shot him. So I love Toribio because he lived his life. He wasn't trying to go out and be a martyr. He wasn't trying to make this great big witness. He was just witnessing with his life in a simple, humble little way. And when the the moment came, he didn't want to die. But the faith of Christ, the spirit of Christ was right there, and was moving and was with his sister. And so, you know, he's a canonized saint. <laughs> but it, right. it wasn't like he was going out and trying to do it on his own. He was, um, he was just bearing witness. He was giving evidence with his very life. Yeah, yeah, excellent. What, what a great story and what an inspiring story to hear as well. If you have a favorite martyr, call us, tell us who it is and why, what the, why that's so inspiring, he or she is so inspiring to you. Uh, give us a call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149 as we're talking about martyrdom on the show today with our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southard from the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And uh, Father, it's it's such a, it is an inspiring story just to hear what, you know, the stories of the martyrs as we enter into what was actually going on in their lives and their their courage. I mean, even being honest and saying, I don't want to die um, I think that's fine. I think that's human to say that. I mean, Christ himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, of course, right? Um, take, mm-hmm. Let this cup pass from me. But um, what if, I mean, the the stories of the martyrs do seem to be incredibly inspiring, but um, what are they aspire, inspiring us to or toward? How should we regard the martyrs? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Hopefully... Um, you know, the martyrs are uh, inspiring us that it's, you know, as Christ, as you just mentioned in Gethsemane, you know, where he says, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Um, so there's, there's a continual, and that's what Paul was speaking about before, too. It's that continual dying of Christ in us. So it's, it's not necessarily our own ambition or our own uh, ideas of, what we want for our lives, or even, you know, our own ideas of what holiness looks like. Like, I'm going to be, go be a saint, and this is what I'm going to go do, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but it's like St. Therese, the little flower. She, she wanted uh, to be a missionary. She had an idea of, of what she was going to do and who she was going to be and how she was going to serve God and how she was going to be holy. 
She wanted to be a missionary. And, you know, she is regarded as one of the, the patron saints of the missionaries, the patron missionary saint. But she didn't, she hardly ever left her convent. Right. I mean, maybe no more than 20 people in her life knew her in the convent. So she ended up becoming a, a living martyr um, because it wasn't her will of going out to go do all these great things and these great adventures and going to talk to thousands and thousands of people and tell them about Christ. Christ made a deal with her. He says, okay, you know, Therese, I'm going to make a deal. For every one person that you would have gone and evangelized or shared about me, he says, if you're faithful to me and you just follow my way, if you let me be the one, he says, if you do that, I'm going to make a deal for every one person that you would have spoken with or shared with. He says, I will touch 10,000 hearts. Wow. Yeah. But 10,000 to one. And so she said, okay. And, and how did, how is Christ evangelizing and touching hearts? He's doing it mystically invisibly through the inner life of all of us. You know, it's not going to be in like some great big dramatic fashion, like some of the other martyrs and their great stories. But Therese, she was becoming that kind of that, that other kind of martyr where she was giving up her will and she was just surrendering to the will of God and allowing God to live his life in her it, she didn't become really famous or a big deal in her own time. But now, you know, she's raining flowers down from heaven and yeah. hearts are being changed. So it doesn't necessarily, I think the inspiration, uh, Patrick, would be, you know, that it's, it's, it's not our glory, it's God's glory. To you be the glory now and forever. And we're just here allowing God to do what he will and to live his life in us. Amen. Great stuff here, Father. Uh, let's take a phone call. We've got Dean who's calling in from Stockton, California. Dean, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my vote will go today for Maximilian Colby. Um, what mm. a story. You know, first of all, he was so sickly in, in seminary. I think he had tuberculosis. And then he still started the Immaculata, um, the Militia, when he was still, I think, a very young young seminarian. And then after that, going to, go to Nagasaki, um, having the largest um, Catholic publication in Europe um, opposing the Nazis and, uh, you know, eventually giving his life so that a man who had children could survive and, and leave the concentration camps. And then keeping all those guys in that hole, the hole of death, where they put them, keeping everyone praying and him being the one of the last ones to pass away. It's just a great, great story of God's strength. Mm. I, I agree, Dean. He's, uh, I love Maximilian Colby. He's one of my... Uh... My favorite, I think, you know, St. Uh, John Paul II had said that he's one of the greatest saints of the 20th century. Uh, what a beautiful witness. And, and like you're saying, you know, he didn't run out to try to be this, this martyr. He was just, you know, kind of allowing the spirit to move him through those really difficult, dark situations. But he was doing it with uh, such love, such Christian love. And even in that moment when... Uh, that father was condemned to die. Um, Maximilian's right there, and he and he's offering his life. He says, "Let me go in his stead." And so, you know, Paul also speaks in Second uh, Corinthians five fourteen. He says, 
For the love of Christ impels us once we have come to the conviction that one died for all. So Maximilian was certainly being filled with that spirit. The love of Christ impels us once we have come to the conviction that one died for all. Maximilian knew that Christ died for him, died for those Nazi guards. And so, you know, conversions were happening in their hearts as they're feeling that spirit of God. And as Maximilian is singing hymns and songs to to Christ, even in the, the dark dungeons, uh, and when others are screaming, he's he's still filled with that spirit. He's singing songs, and they had to kill him because they he wouldn't die, <laughs> he wouldn't starve right. to death. But that love of Christ was had convicted him. Yeah, Dean, thank you for introducing uh, uh, introducing Maximilian Kovey into the conversation as we're talking about martyrdom here on the show today. If you have a favorite martyr, give us a call. Tell us who it is and why you appreciate and respect and admire and honor them in your life of faith, 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening today as we're talking about martyrdom as we are celebrating martyrs in the church yesterday, today, tomorrow, and Monday. We're honoring martyrs and specifically what the martyrs can teach us about the faith with our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southern, uh, priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. John Eudes Church in Chatsworth, California. And uh, Father, just some great uh, conversation that we've had already about martyrdom and what it is and what it means. One of the things I was picking up on on one of the last things you were talking about there was that there, the will is really involved in this, right? I mean, um, I mean, we take a look at uh, you talk about martyrdom being a witness, and we just had a caller talking about their favorite martyr, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, and with that. Um, you see the witness of his life. I mean, he was he was willfully giving his life over to God in his life um, before he was asked to do it in his death. So that's something the martyrs can teach us, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, St. Paul, who's, who's a martyr, um, beheaded, you know, he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, um, I think he's giving just a beautiful, continued to give a beautiful witness to, to that and that evidence of Christ's love. He says in 1 Corinthians 13:1, he says, If I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So there is the the will that is involved, but basically what Paul is saying is that if we give away our very life and there is no love, 
you're just being annoying. <laughs> so there's no love. <laughs> there's no value. It's, it's hollow. It's not hollow. It's, it's hollowness. It's not holiness. So unless we're actually moving with, with love and with kindness, because then, you know, Paul continues on. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It's not pompous. It's not inflated. It's not rude. It doesn't seek its own interests. So our will is surrendered to God's will. And so it's not us going to be the martyr or to, to make this great witness. It's actually because if we're doing that, we're just self-seeking. But it's actually, you know, it's like the Blessed Mother. May it be done unto me according to your word. And so it's just that humble surrender. I'm also, you know, he's, it's a different type of, of martyrdom than we would normally think of, but it's, it's the truest. You can't find a truer martyr in the, truer, in the truest definition of Christian witness and evidence of Christ. And that would be uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Hmm. So there was certainly evidence. There was a credible witness in Francis. Now, and it's and Francis, he was, you know, bearing continually the dying of Christ in his flesh to the point that he came, that the stigmata had manifested. Right. But there is also the time, you know, when this was a time when um, there was, you know, all of the crusades, tons and tons and tons of people in multiple waves of crusades went over to give their lives. There were plenty of those martyrs. But how about a witness? Right? How about a witness? Was there evidence of Christ's, of Christ's love? So Francis's martyrdom was that he went over with a message of peace and love through his largely forgotten story of his mission to end the Crusades. So in 1219, as the Fifth Crusade was being fought, Francis crossed enemy lines to gain, to intentionally gain an audience with Malik al-Kamil, and he was the sultan of Egypt. And so he went in not to, not to uh, become a martyr and you know, not to, uh, to go in and, and to convict, but he was going in to recognize the dignity of Christ in the person. So he was actually going, you know, looking to find in humility, looking to see the presence, the hidden mystery the hidden presence of Christ in the Sultan and this Muslim. And so he humbly went in and had a deep, beautiful encounter with Christ so deep in, uh, with Christ in the Sultan. And so, so deep that even to this day, to this very day, 800 years later, the Franciscans are the custodians of the holy places in Muslim territory. So this is just one guy giving witness to the holy dignity of Christ hidden in another person. So talk about martyrdom. <laughs> How about right. that witness? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. Again, just a reminder from our spiritual director, Father Ethan Souther, that martyrdom means being a witness. And uh, if you have a favorite martyr in the in the canonized saints of the church, then give us a call. Let us know who it is and why they're so inspirational to you. Uh, let's go to another phone call. We've got Randy, who's calling in from California. Randy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I kind of like uh, St. Polycarp. Hmm. 
he was he was a disciple of John the Baptist. I mean, not John the Baptist, but Saint John the um, Evangelist. And he was our he was a bishop of Smyrna, remember? And they he was with the Lord for eighty six years, and then they uh, wanted him to convert to their their ungodly ways. He said no, and they uh, built a big fire for him, put him up there. And, and they wanted to nail him up, and they said, no, you don't have to nail me. And when they roasted him up, he glowed like oven and like a piece of bread in the oven. It was just unbelievable stuff. And then he released this sweet-smelling scent. Mm. So, yeah, that's it's pretty remarkable. Mm. Yeah, that's great, Randy. Um, yeah, I think when we have that, that love uh, within us, um, you know, there is a sweet smell that comes even in the you know, the, the burns or the purgations of, of life. Um, but, you know, John, John, the apostle, John, the evangelist, you know, he certainly, uh, is, is known, you know, today as we're here on, on the, uh, on first Friday, you know, where we're remembering the sacred heart. And even in the month of June, we're remembering the sacred heart of, of Jesus. Um, you know, John, John, the apostle, he, he rested his head against the heart of Jesus. And so he really, out of all the apostles, he was really the one who was picking up that deep spirit uh, of, of that love and of resting on the heart of Jesus. And so Polycarp was certainly picking that up from his, his mentor, you know, from, from John. But even in the readings today, we're, we're reminded, you know, that it's not even so much us making the virtues. In the first reading from Sirach, we hear about the, the virtuous man but, you know, Jesus is saying, hey, it's, it's not you going to go earn these virtues or do them. He's saying, you received my virtue. Let me give you my own heart. My heart is pierced for you. Let, you know, drink from the side of my heart. You know, so that's, that's where that sweet smell is coming from. It's Christ himself. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, amen. Thanks, Randy. And, uh, yeah, just a little reflection on the sweet smell of St. Polycarp as he was being burned at the stake. For we are the aroma of Christ for God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And uh, so that's St. Paul from from Second Corinthians there. So wonderful reference that jumped into my head for that. And, yes, as you were saying, Father, I mean, the martyrs all provide this this uh, this springboard of faith for us. They they provide us inspiration to go deeper in relationship with the Lord who gives all the virtues. So thank you, Randy, for that. Let's go now to Brittany calling in from Buckeye, Arizona. Brittany, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, my One of my favorite martyrs is St. Cecilia, and she was um, the saint that I chose for my confirmation 20 years ago. And at that time as a teenager, I just thought it was cool that she was the patron saint of musicians. But now having grown, um, I understand so much more and about her, her life and her martyrdom. Um, the fourth century was known to be kind of a, um, a time for lustfulness and, and uh, romance and things like that, much, much like our times now. And she came from a wealthy family, consecrated herself to the Lord at a young age, and she could have had everything, anything she wanted, but she chose to dress in sackcloth and consecrated herself to the Lord. And um, she was had an arranged marriage to a man named Valerian and told him that she was going to remain a virgin. 
and that she had seen angels and that they protected her virginity. Um, another kind of saint for our time, too, in protecting families and, and the relationship between spouses. But he said he would, um, he would believe her, but she needed him to be baptized first. So he took the Apian Trail, the Apian Path, got baptized by Pope Urban and came back and saw the angels and then started his life of, of mission work with his brother. So they both converted to the Catholic faith during a time where that was uh, being persecuted. And in fact, they, um, they were burying Christians, martyred Christians, um, who weren't given proper burials, and they went out and buried them. And um, they were executed for that. And then since St. Cecilia was um, also ordered to be executed. They put her in the uh, baths, and even as they stoked the fires and wanted her to suffocate, she was left in there for multiple days and just did not die. Um, So then they ordered her to be beheaded. And um, I mean, this is gruesome, but they went through with it, and she still remained alive for three days. Uh, proclaiming witness to the Lord, and people came and and heard her as she was bleeding out. Wow, well, that's such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful story, Brittany. Could I? Do you mind? Um, you, uh, Cecilia, you took her as your patron saint uh, in your confirmation, and it sounds like you you have that a deep relationship with her as you continue even to to learn more about her life. Um, would you mind sharing just a little bit about maybe that relationship? You know, how have you, have you been um, inspired or how has she inspired you? Or do you have any special moments of prayer with Cecilia? Um, I do. In fact, I chose the name, like I mentioned, because, or I chose the saint because of um, the patroness of musicians, but I also had a neighbor at the time, Um, named Cecilia, and she was a great witness to me. Um, The family was Catholic, and they had three children, one of whom had cerebral palsy, and so she Mm. spent her life dedicated to that daughter, and the other siblings were so joyful, too. And so they taught me a lot in that family life, and I really feel that that has transferred into my life, my relationship with my husband, and now having two daughters. I just really feel like St. Cecilia has worked through Cecilia Clemmy, my neighbor, and now through um, through my married and maternal life as well. Oh, that's beautiful, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. There, I, I remember hearing that um, we're told that Cecilia sang in her heart to the Lord, and it sounds like you know maybe your neighbor even in those difficult moments, you know, even raising a child with cerebral palsy, um, you know, being able to sing uh, in her heart to the Lord and and to be able to do so, so joyfully, even to inspire you. Um, Thank you, Brittany. That's a really beautiful testimony to St. Cecilia, but also even, you know, the Christian witness of your neighbor and how she was living her life and, you know, inspiring you. Yeah. 
Yes, Brittany, thank you so much. And uh, and St. Cecilia, another one of our martyrs with an inspiring story. There are so many of them. I mean, you could fill uh, show after show after show about this, but we are talking about it today here on The Inner Life. If you have a favorite martyr and would like to call in and let us know why, who it is and why they are so inspiring to you, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Michael calling in from Las Vegas, Nevada. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, first-time caller to your show, Drew. Um, I had a question, not necessarily a favorite martyr, but I was just curious if there were any instances where a saint was directed by God to, no, run, don't martyr yourself right now because I need you for something else. And so they were helped to escape as opposed to um, giving their life at that particular time uh, I didn't know mm. if there were any particular instances for saints that it wasn't well, their I, time I, to I, martyr. Thanks, Michael. I, I mean, the one that comes to mind uh, immediately is is Jesus himself. <laughs> Just as he was actually starting his public ministry, he was in Nazareth. And, you know, he, he spoke about how he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, you know, this passage has been fulfilled in your midst. And and then people took offense to him, and they were ready to throw him off a cliff. They were ready to, to martyr him right then. And, you know, Jesus says, no, this isn't my time. And so it, so it wasn't. I love that question, you know, Michael, because it's, it's not even about the martyrdom. It's what is God doing? So it's, you know, Jesus could have been martyred or, or killed right then, but he slipped away. He says, no, it's not my time. Mm-hmm. And so he still had ministry uh, to do. Um, and, you know, and then he continued on, obviously. And so he was crucified in, in that ultimate moment of, of martyrdom in that beautiful crucifixion, the, the good Friday. Um, but, but I know there's others, uh, you know, Athanasius comes to mind where, you know, he was there at a difficult time in the church and, you know, they were trying to, there was heresies and they were trying to, to wipe him out and he he was slipping away. There's a story where um, they were they were looking for him, and there, he was on a boat getting out of town. And you know the uh, the others were coming to to get him, and so they call out to him and they say, uh, "Have you seen Athanasius? Have you seen Athanasius?" And so he didn't want to lie, <laughs> so he says. Oh, you're not far from him. You're not far. <laughs> so they, they say, thanks, thanks. And so they keep looking, and he slips on by. <laughs> so creative. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's not, Michael, it's not about, you know, uh, necessarily, you know, that act. Uh, but it's, it's about, um, it's not the, the hour of our death, but it's, it's the continual living of our life uh, with Christ. Yeah, I guess one of the, after Christ himself, as you said, Father, one of the people that sprung to mind for me in response to Michael's questions was St. Paul, to going back to him. Um, he recounts in Second Corinthians 11, he says, uh, I have far greater labors, far more imprisonments, far worse beatings, and numerous brushes with death. He says, five times at the hands of the Jews, I received 40 lashes minus one. So, I mean, just on the brink of it, but God spared him in those situations. So, um, yeah. Uh, great question, Michael, and I and I appreciate that. And but it, again, Father, like you were saying, it all comes back to that being a martyr is being a witness first and foremost, right? Whether that's shedding our blood or not, 
Um, we can be martyrs. That's what I'm hearing you return to time and again. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's our will surrendered to God. And, um, you know, it's Christ's gift of his life within us. So the, there's a, a Beatles song, uh, Blackbird, uh, and it just comes to mind. It says, take these broken wings and learn to fly. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. all your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arise. Yeah. Blackbird singing in the dead of night, take these sunken eyes and learn to see. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to be free. Mm. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just reminded of that because you know we're all broken. You know, every single one of us, because of original sin, because of our our human condition, we're all broken. We're all suffering. We all have sunken eyes. We're we're all waiting for the moment to be free when we could really fly. Yeah, and it's Christ himself, it's it's his own life who comes in and he's giving us the grace to to rise again. We've been waiting exactly. for this moment to arise. So we're all we're all these these wounded little birds, but we're also as as my one of my friends, you know, she's just been sharing um again and again, you know, she's speaking of um just how beautifully and how thoughtfully and how wonderfully made we are. Right? Psalm 139, I am thoughtfully wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. So being thoughtful though, it's not full of thought. <laughs> so it's not, it's not just being full of thought. It's not thoughtful is, is this kindness. It's, it's the mind of Christ. It's the inner life of God. That's, that's how we're made. We're made with that wonderful dignity. And so, you know, that martyrdom, you know, being that witness, are we witnessing that beauty, that dignity that we, that we're made in? Are we witnessing, are we giving evidence to that, that wonderful life, that thoughtful kindness, that beauty, that dignity we're made in the image and likeness of God? Are we giving evidence to that? Or, you know, are we flailing around just with our brokenness and hurting other people? Great reminder, Father. Our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southerd, as we're talking about martyrdom today, being a witness. If you have a favorite martyr in the history and tradition of the church, give us a call. Let us know who it is and how and why they inspire you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We need to squeeze in another quick break here, but we'll be back with more of the show right after this. Stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Thomas Maximilian Engesser. He lets slip that he has a martyr for a middle name there as well. Uh, and he's producing the show today. And Sarah Tafoya, who's taking your phone calls um, grateful for also you, our listeners, for calling in with your favorite martyrs as we're talking about martyrdom today with Father Ethan Southerd, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and pastor of St. John Youth Church in Chatsworth, California. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Patrick who's calling in from Monterey, California. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. 
my favorite, one of my favorite saints, martyr, Saint Mark G, J I, Saint Mark G, and he was a Chinese uh, Catholic, and he was an opium addict, and the priest would not give him communion for that reason, and then some something happened, and he died as a martyr in the Boxer Rebellion. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. So he was a, a lay Catholic and, and doctor. I'd never heard of him before, uh, Patrick. That's great. I think he was a doctor. He's just a normal guy. But, uh, yeah. And then he became a, a martyr in the Boxer Rebellion. So even a, a drug addict can be a, a saint martyr. Wow, that's <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's that's you know talk about you know take these broken wings and learn to fly. You know, someone who's struggling with opium, someone who's struggling, you know, with addiction. Um, you know, God knows our hearts. He knows the depths of our souls. Um, you know, we can't judge. You know, I'm, I'm sure we could look at someone like that and say, oh, look, he's a drug addict. You know, oh, he's addicted to heroin or opium or whatever. You know, he's just, he's not worthy of, of even the sacraments. Wow. And yet here he is, and he offers his life, and he became a martyr. Talk about a living Christian witness. He was the martyr. <laughs> he was the one who's giving that witness you know, to the other ones, what a, what a beautiful uh, question for us. Am I uh, a witness? Am I someone who's giving testimony? Am I giving evidence of Christ? Wow. Um, I, I think that's a great reminder for me. Who am I judging who's receiving communion? Right. Mark G. <laughs> says, uh, excuse me, <laughs> could I have a little help here? <laughs> Great point, Father. Great point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's new to me, too. So, Patrick, thank you for that. Um, just a quick <laughs> internet search, though, brings up more about him. So, yeah, fascinating stuff that we, you can find about him. Thanks for the call, Patrick, and for introducing us to uh, St. Mark G. And uh, J.I., that is, if people want to look him up online. Let's go uh, to Lawrence now, who's calling in from Tennessee. Lawrence, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Uh, hello. Hello. Lawrence. Yeah. August 10th is the feast day of St. Lawrence. Uh, he was an early martyr. He was told by the Roman emperor to bring the riches of the Catholic Church to him. And he did. When he opened the door into the emperor, he had all the poor and lame there, and he said, these are the riches of the Catholic Church. Mm. Mm. For that, uh, he was sentenced to be martyred by being put on a spit and slowly roasted. He Mm. was, it is said that at one point, he said to his executioners, Boys, you can turn me over. I'm done on this side. So they turned mm. him over. For that, St. Lawrence is the patron saint of comedians, 
and cooks. Mm. I only know this because I was born on August 10th, and my um, uncle is a was a Catholic priest. He told my parents that I had to be named Lawrence. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you, Lawrence. What a great name. And yeah, what a beautiful witness, you know, giving evidence, like you said, you know, they were coming for the riches. And he says, you know, the, the poor, he says, here, this is my evidence. You know, they are my evidence. You know, I, I think that's just kind of like what we're talking about. You know, we are the evidence of Christ, uh, hopefully, you know, if we're actually allowing uh, Christ's life to be lived. And I just, Patrick, I'm just thinking back to, um, you know, how do we, how do we become that witness? Yeah. Um, you know, how do we become that? Well, I think we look at Christ himself, you know, in, in St. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, he speaks again and again, uh, you know, Jesus would withdraw to a, a deserted, quiet place to pray. And so he would spend that communion time with his heavenly father. He would, he would go early in the morning after he had done ministry, he would, he would go back to that prayer time. So in his humanity, in our humanity, Jesus himself was allowing himself, his humanity, our humanity to come into communion with his heavenly father, with our heavenly father. So it's, it's actually, you know, in the Holy spirit being powered by the spirit you know, Jesus is actually that beautiful model and the way that's our prep time for being the witness. We spend, if we spend that sweet, tender, easy time in prayer with our heavenly father, he's, he's strengthening us for those really difficult moments. And he's, he's allowing the spirit to move through us to even set all of those times up. Like we've heard, you know, when, when the time all of a sudden presented itself to Maximilian Colby, he said, you know, yes, let me take, you know, the space of, of that person. You know, when the time presented itself to Santo Toribio Romo, he was able to step into it and to do, even though he really didn't want to die, he was still doing those things, you know, with love and kindness, baptizing and catechizing and celebrating the mass in the middle of the night that would lead to his death. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's for us to be doing that, uh, we have to be in union with Christ and, and we have to spend that communion time uh, with our, our Heavenly Father also. Yeah. Great reminder, Father, that uh, that that's where it all starts is uh, our time with the Lord and receiving his graces, his many graces. And in an effort to do just that, Father, as we close the show, may we have your blessing, please. Of course, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. And may Almighty God, through the intercession of Mark Chi, St. Cecilia, St. Lawrence, St. Polycarp, St. Terribio Romo, and all of the saints, and in union with the Sacred Heart of Jesus, bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Ethan Southard has been our spiritual director today as we've been speaking about martyrdom. If you don't have a favorite martyr yet... This would be a great time to do just that. Do some research and find one who can inspire you to live out the life as a witness. Monday on the show, we're going to be talking about the Most Holy Trinity. Hope you can join us then. Until that time, grace and peace.